Hi, Peter Borker here and welcome to today's edition of the Transition Guide. Now joining me today in the studio is Malik Parekh, author of the best-selling book, Future Proof Your Career and Company. Welcome to today's podcast. Good to be with you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Now, your book is quite recent, isn't it? Yeah, it just went live uh, last November, so six months ago. And it's quite interesting. What caught me about your book was the fact that you talk about future-proofing. And I think that we probably need to do more work on future-proofing today than we ever have done, given what's gone on with the whole pandemic in the last, let's say, 15 months. No, absolutely. I think that was one of the inspirations for me. You know, when I looked around at my peers in the industry, I was the CEO of one of the largest BPO companies uh, here in the Philippines. I realized that everybody was focused on how to survive this pandemic. And even leaders, CEOs and other C-suite leaders took their eyes off of the horizon. Uh, They forgot that there are some underlying currents like the artificial intelligence, the digital natives and the gig economy. These trends were only gaining momentum and they're gonna peak over the next 10 years completely changing the business landscape. And if we don't prepare for them, it will be a pandemic kind of a situation for the next 10 years because we'll be done with the pandemic, but we'll be dealing with other issues. That's quite interesting you say that because I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've noticed a lot of people are spending a lot of energy fighting change instead of thinking, okay, we need to ride with this and we need to change. I'm going to give you another example. Probably the big thing that a lot of people are talking about are cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. And you hear a lot of negativity around cryptocurrencies. Oh, it's just a fashion. It's just a fad. It will be gone soon. It's never going to last. I remember them saying that about the internet. Yeah, that hasn't really (laughs) gone anywhere, has it? It's true, though. They were saying about the internet. Oh, that's not going to last. Yeah, actually, the businesses out there that have managed to embrace the internet more so in the pandemic than any other time they're the ones that have come out victorious yeah i mean uh, just to give you a couple of examples peter two companies in the same industry you look at uh, domino's pizza domino's pizza did significantly better in 2020 amidst the pandemic than they did 2019 their revenues were up 15 percent or more their margins went up same, comp- same industry, Pizza Hut. The parent company of Pizza Hut filed for bankruptcy yeah. just a year ago. Why? Because Domino's Pizza has been digitally transforming itself for the last 12 years. They didn't wait for the pandemic to hit them and then started changing. Pizza Hut, on the other hand, kept the model the same. They tried a little bit trying to transform themselves, but didn't go through the same length that Domino's Pizza did. And they paid the price. Well, they didn't commit. And I think that's probably the same story. I mean, we know the story about Blockbuster and Netflix. I mean, that's another well-documented, probably, that's probably one of the biggest screw-ups out there, where even Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix, yet they chose not to. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the same thing could be said about Kodak, right? They completely missed the boat on digital photography. And part of the reason, Peter, if you look at these examples, you see is that 
One of the reasons they miss the boat is because a lot of the companies think that digital transformation is about going out and buying the latest and the greatest technology and putting it into your legacy system. Digital transformation is actually not about technology. It's about your end goal. And what are the three end goals that you need to have? Number one, how can you utilize technology to improve your customer experience? How can you utilize technology to improve your employee experience? And how can you utilize your technology to completely revamp your business model? Just like Netflix did, right? They actually started out as DVD by mail in 1997. Yeah, but in 2007 or something back then. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And in 10 years, they transformed their business model and they moved to streaming. Six years later, instead of just mailing movies, they started making movies, award-winning movies, right? So that's a great example of a company that has embraced digital transformation because they kept the customer and the employee at the center of what they were doing. Why do you think companies are struggling with this right now? I mean, I'll give you an example. We've been, I mean, look, in the UK, the UK has literally been locked down for probably out of 12 months, a good seven and a bit months has been locked down. Mm-hmm. That's a fair, that's a fair amount of lockdown. You think that that would be enough time for, let's say, restaurants, retailers, brick and mortar businesses that have been seriously impacted by closure to transform and rethink yet so many haven't. No, I absolutely agree. It's the same thing here in the Philippines, in this part of the world as well. I think the easiest way to explain that is um, as humans, we are naturally inclined to spend most of our time in the quadrant I call urgent issues and important issues. But as leaders, you know, the CEOs and entrepreneurs, we have to look beyond the urgent issues and go in what I call the magic quadrant. And the magic quadrant for me is not urgent, but important. Artificial intelligence is not as urgent as COVID-19. The storming of the workplace by digital natives, Peter, is not as urgent as COVID-19. The increasing popularity of the gig economy is not as urgent as COVID-19. But in the next 10 years, they will become urgent. They will move to that quadrant where they will become urgent and important. And the companies who would plan on how they're going to tackle these issues and prepare for them are going to benefit. So looking back 2030, the companies who would have taken enough time to look at long-term issues, look at the horizon, you know, take their head out of the sand and look at what's happening in the horizon and prepare for them are the, are the companies that are going to be the winners. And I think a lot of that needs to happen. I mean, literally, as we've opened up the UK now, I'm hearing people saying, okay, well, everyone's going back into the office. Everybody, I mean, let's get back. Or if you want to work from home, then yeah, work from where you want. There is, there doesn't seem to be this sort of cohesive plan as to actually, well, how do we create a blend, a professional blended working economy because for some people working remotely is going to be absolutely the best thing however they may not have the right environment to work remotely and i think all this stuff now needs to be taken into consideration 
how do we actually create it so we have the right environments for people to thrive? No, I agree. And I think um, beyond that, uh, this work from home model, whether companies adapt to it 100% as some of the companies have already decided they would do that to 30%, you know, whatever the spectrum that they decide to be on, it's going to have massive impact on the how the society is actually working, right? So you will see suddenly people moving from cities like New York and Los Angeles into some of the smaller suburbs. Just recently, I read an article in Wall Street Journal. New York City lost people going out of the city for the first time. New York City always had a net positive immigration or population growth. Last year was the first year where people said, you know what, I can work from home. I don't need to be stuck in this small apartment in Manhattan. I can actually find a nicer place if I were to move to New Jersey or even to Pennsylvania and work from home. So that transition is going to change who lives in the cities and who lives in the small towns. Typically, small towns are conservative by nature. Big cities are liberal by nature. What happens when people from the cities are actually moving into the small towns? It's going to change not only the residential market, the commercial real estate market, but also the politics in how the countries are organized. That started to happen in the UK. I mean, I heard interestingly enough that New York are now offering, five, like landlords are offering five months free rent for people to come back in. So they're yeah. kind of, they're understanding the impact it's had. But in the UK, people are fleeing London and they're moving out to the suburbs. It's already started to happen. And even further afield, because they know they can get more for their money and exactly. they don't necessarily need to trend. In fact, what they're understanding, for them to remote work, space is a premium. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And they can afford a bigger house now. They can uh, have space they probably didn't have when they were living in the big cities. Yeah, because the prices are very different. Therefore, you absolutely. get more for your money. That's right. So... <laughs> What advice would you give companies going through this transition or fighting this transition as the case may be? So there are five things I actually talk about in my book uh, on how to future-proof your companies. Uh, the first thing is what we discussed earlier, Peter, digitally transform yourself. It's not a nice to have anymore. It's a must have and focus on improving your customer experience, your employee experience, and even look at your business model and see if it makes sense to continue that business model or whether you need to revamp it completely. The second thing companies need to do is to create a very strong purpose, a larger than life purpose that employees would get excited about. They would rally behind you. You know, a lot of the youngsters, the Gen Zers and millennials who are storming the workplace today are looking for companies who are not just after profit and loss. They are not after just meeting their financial targets every quarter. They're looking for companies who are doing something for the environment. They are giving back to the community. So very important for the companies is to create that very strong, larger than life purpose. The third thing companies need to do is to create a culture of innovation. You know, we talked about Netflix versus Blockbuster. Why did Netflix succeed when Blockbuster faded away? Because Netflix married to the concept of timelessness of their employees. And what's timelessness about your employees? Their skills, their talents, their perseverance, their creativity. Whereas Blockbuster 
married to the temporary part of their business model, which is what their brick and mortar business model that has been working for years before they just went away. So very important for the companies to do is to actually create a culture of uh, innovation. The fourth thing they need to do is to inspire constant learning. It's not just about whether CEO or the C-suite members are staying ahead of the curve. If you have 4,000, 5,000 employees, if they are not reinventing themselves, if they are not married to this continuous learning, the company is not going to move the needle. So it's very important that companies actually embrace this constant lifelong learning within their employees. And the fifth thing is you need to create a culture of fun. It's going to be very stressful over the next 10 years with all the changes and the disruption. But it's up to you as a leader, whether your employees are going to remember this time with you as the highlight of their professional career, or they're going to remember you as the biggest nightmare of their professional career. It's very important that you create a culture of fun, like companies like Southwest Airlines. I mean, I know you live in UK, but if you have traveled to the US and if you have taken Southwest Airlines, it's like an amazing experience. It feels like you're hanging out with your friends. You don't know anybody. You don't know the pilots. You don't know the stewardesses. But it, by the time you're done, it feels like uh, you know these people because they're just so friendly. They're having fun among themselves and with their clients. Yeah, and I think Southwest Airlines is a fantastic example of where they're really clear on their brand promise, when they're yes. really clear that they stand for lots of fun. And actually, there's a great story that a customer wrote a complaint to the CEO of Southwest Airlines saying that they wanted to complain that the staff were having too much fun on the flight. And the response <laughs> from the CEO was brilliant. He just wrote them one line, you will be missed. <laughs> and that was and it. You know, I'm, and I'm not surprised because uh, Herbert Kelleher, uh, the gentleman who was the CEO and uh, you know, the found, one of the founders and uh, chairman for many years, actually came to employee events in Elvis Presley costumes. I mean, here is the CEO and the chairman, right? So it trickles down. So it's very important that the leaders, entrepreneurs, take it easy, you know, don't take yourself too seriously when you're going through this phase. Well, maybe, and for a lot of people, they're gonna be under unbelievable stress and pressure with cash flows being sort of sucked out of the business over the last 12 to 15 months. And it's not easy for many entrepreneurs, I know. And perhaps what they need to do is make sure that they've got the right support for them so Absolutely. that they can cope with it and then they can then cascade down. Because as you said, the last thing any organization needs is an organization that is being led by fear from the top. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and employees are very smart. They can uh, sense if the leader has it what it takes to make them successful. And if they see that the leader is struggling with the change, if the leader is struggling with the disruptions, then they will be the first one to jump ship and go somewhere else. Absolutely. So if people want to find out more about you, where do they go? Well, they can visit my website, uh, maulikparek.com. I'm also on Facebook, on Instagram, at IamMaulikParek, as well as on LinkedIn. So I'd love to stay in touch with anybody would love to continue yeah. and tag along in this journey. In fact, we need to make sure we're connected on LinkedIn. But no, it's been absolutely yes, fantastic having you today. A lot of good takeaways. A lot of the stuff may be for common sense, but the reality is common sense isn't so common. 
especially when you are in this disruptive world. Absolutely. So no, it's been a pleasure, Peter. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. And the reality is we're not going back, so we can only move forward. Now, if anything we've spoken about today resonates with you, you want a bit more information, head over to Borka.com and get in touch. If you'd love today's episode, please like it, share it with others, and make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on future episodes. And most importantly, remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. Please stay safe.